Welcome to the only show dedicated to a new way of delivering healthcare. This new model has no name, but let's go ahead and call it direct contracting or digital first care. The new way centers on opting out of the games bigs play with their rigged dice, their crooked game board, and their purchased referees. And if you're looking for a future where everyone wins, that's the doc, the consumer, the employer, and with assured amazing outcomes and measurably lower costs that are ranging up to 60%, you're in the right place. I'm Ron Barshop, your host. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the new healthcare economy. So buying a Coke is exactly like buying primary care. You can get it at the grocery store or at Costco or at Sam's for the best pricing, but that's an independently owned primary care doctor. Or you can go to the corner store in San Antonio, we'll call them ice stores. So you can go to the ice house or the ice store and go to the corner store and pay two to four times grocery prices. That's the hospital owned PCP. It's sometimes obvious that they're hospital owned. Sometimes it's obfuscated. Or you can get it at a restaurant and pay four to eight times the grocery prices for that same coat. And that's urgent care. 70% of all urgent care in America are owned by hospitals or corporate entities. So it's just even more secret. There's not any transparency there, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's really still Coke for, here forward, or is it fountain water with brown stuff mixed in? Or you can get the Coke at the movies and you'll pay 10 to 20 times what you'll pay at the grocery store. And that's an ER, that's the cost markup there. And it's often more. You can drop 8,000 in an ER in a blink, a doc told me who ran many ERs. And that might just be for a simple sprain that could have waited anyway. Every mom who is a doctor knows this place of service business. She's never gonna buy the pricey healthcare because it's just dumb. But 99% of us don't have that basic knowledge that where we buy care is important. Place of service is everything. And frankly, your PCP knows your history, so it's not even a horse race. Telehealth makes your PCP able to handle most issues. Urgent care is dumb most of the time. It's getting harder to find independent docs, though, because over 70% are now owned by the bigs, unless you direct contract where they're all independent by their very nature. So we know this to be true when independents do have to sell, and they do have to sell. They don't want to sell to big systems. The costs only go up lots, double at least. The burnout will rise because they're working for the man. Medical errors will increase. Waste and bloat will increase, over-testing and over-utilization because the meat grinder has got to have its meat. And referral patterns are always going to shift to higher cost care, like the Coke example. The pressure to sell of PCPs is 100% government-driven, and essentially government-funded. Keith Smith of Oklahoma Surgery Centers says that politicians will never solve the heist because they are driving the getaway car. 70% of hospitals are nonprofit. So here's the thing about nonprofit systems. They pay no city, county, state, federal income tax. They don't pay a penny in property taxes, even though they're the largest property owner. They don't pay any sales tax, zip. And they get access to giant pools of cheap money called tax-free bond financing. So they have the very best lawyers and CPAs. And they have the biggest galas locally. 
and they employ the best fundraisers in nonprofit America, and that's a fact. And the best lobby in America, the American Hospital Association, which won a pandemic handout of $175 billion called the Second Marshall Plan by its sponsor, which few needed. We know that today back now that we can look back four quarters and see it. They have that too, the best lobby. Are they a great local citizen? Well, wait, they need fire and police protection, don't you think? And they need garbage pickup and they need roads repaired around their hospitals, don't they? And they're going to need sewer and water. Nope, that's all free. And they're usually a major property owner, as I said, if not the major property owner in every metro where they are. And they're a giant user of these roads and utilities and infrastructure. But it's free to them. So if you're not chapped now, you might be when I say this next little piece, because do they own a skybox at your favorite local stadium or arena? I don't know. I don't. Do you? Well, likely they do. And a few are even bold enough, like the Methodist in Houston at our local stock soccer stadium there, to own naming rights of a stadium or a field. Do you know any other American nonprofits with skyboxes and stadiums? Imagine the United Way Arena. Imagine the Salvation Army field. It's quite a sweet racket, this nonprofit business. So don't buy your primary care through them. Docs don't. Why should you? But if you're going to have to use a hospital this year, or starting next year, the big insurers, thanks to some new transparency rules, today's guest is a good place to start. Health Cost Labs. Leon Wisniewski founded Health Cost Labs, which will this week, and this is the 4th of July weekend, produce data from 2,400 hospitals with offering a low-cost pathway on data for 300 different procedures. It's a new rule that some, but not all, are complying with. Leon came from Blue Cross not only as an actuary, but a health cost modeler and a forensic auditor. So he's the perfect guy to take these complex files and simplify them for me and you. Okay, so Leon, let's get into this. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, you've uncovered intentionally confusing files. You posted on LinkedIn this week, one in, I think, Rhode Island or New Hampshire had 21 million lines on Excel. Yes. You call these bastardized files on intentionally. What's going on there? Well, it, before January 1st, I, I fully anticipated um, sabotage, you know, obfuscation by the, for, these, for these files. I knew the hospitals were not going to make it easy for me to, to aggregate and build a, a, a database where you could price shop. So when January 1st arrived, I, I dove headfirst into the websites trying to locate these files. And when I would you know, open them up, you know, I wasn't disappointed. I, I could see you know, that it was not a, in a reusable format. So I, I, I had some programming experience. I'm a, I'm a data guy, I'm a data guy and, and a finance guy. So I'm a little bit dangerous in that area. So I was able to write my own code and re-engineer the data files to be normal where I could upload it to a server. Um, so this has been going on for the last six months, um, this, this, this hunt. It's, it's the, the great hunt for these files. And you know, we, we're, I'm pretty much finished. And now we have you know, over 2,400 hospitals loaded into the server. It's all cleaned, it's aggregated, and it's benchmarked against CMS. And now I'm going to turn it over to my website, the web developers, and they're going to um, facilitate this data flow. Uh, I call it data fluidity 
from uh, Essential Database to America. So you're going to have it, whether you want to use it or not. You, it is your right to not decline uh, low price, but it's there for you to use it if you want. Now, the hospitals were dragged into this transparency rule kicking and screaming, weren't they? Oh, my God. They were. They were. Actually, it was funny because um, I, I'm a little bit of a, a policy wonk, a policy nerd. So I've been following the, you know, the, the, the hearings in 2020, the, the, the district judge in June and then the appellate court in, in October. So when I heard that, you know, the judge, the, the AHA lawyers got steamrolled. Like they were, it's an indefensible argument to say why people shouldn't have prices. So I knew the judges were going to rule in the affirmative that the, um, the law should go forward. So what I started doing even before January 1st was that I started mapping every hospital to a health system because I knew from my own you know, contract experience that the health system is going to be compliant or not compliant. So if a health system has five hospitals or 50 hospitals, you're going to find them all, you're going to find all the files by looking at one place. So I, I, I spent, you know, several months, you know, going through each state, going through each hospital saying, oh, this hospital belongs to Methodist, this hospital belongs to Dignity, Banner, uh, Northern Lights, and I had the whole thing mapped out. So when uh, January 1st arrived, I started hitting, you know, one hospital and one health system to make my research more efficient. Um, and I had, and, and I was correct in my approach. And I believe that that's how this thing would play out. And that's kind of how I got this thing up so fast is because I, I kind of like laid it out so that when <laughs> January 1st came, I could just start like running, roll through it. Now the, the fine to not participate in this transparency rule is $109,500 a year or $300 a day. Yeah. Which is chump change for most of these big hospitals. Right. Um, it's true. It's true. But I think that the public shaming is more punitive than $109,000. So like what I'm seeing is that like when January 1st came, I think the compliance rate was maybe like 15, 18%. But then as January, February rolled into March and then April and then the May, more and more started coming online. And I don't think it was a financial penalty. I think it was a public shaming penalty. Nobody wanted to be in front of not being compliant and, and trying to you know, withhold information from people. But what they did was they sabotaged the files. So they said, okay, fine, I'm gonna give you my file, but I'm gonna make it so ugly, you know, nobody can reuse it. Which is why I had to work so hard in programming to clean these files up. And, and it's really hard work. It, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but I, since I understand fee schedules and claims data, I can read the data presentation and figure out how to extrapolate it into a clean format. Well, you spent 20 years inside the beast. You know all the tricks because you are the beast. You were the beast for 20 years. What, what kind of stuff happened when you would present uh, low pathway cost, low cost pathways to your bosses and what happened to them when you present them ideas on how to uh, take out high cost doctors and high cost providers and yeah. what happened when you presented that? 
this still leaves me speechless, you know, because the, the, the data talks. There's, there's no denying the data talks. And when I would show them, hey, like, do it, I'll give you an example. There was a doctor who's sitting in jail right now for, for fraud. And maybe he should be there, but maybe he shouldn't be there because the Blue Cross knew he was a bad biller because I told him six years before he was convicted. And I had this, this one director who I liked a lot. He would say, it's mine. He was a director of contracting. He would say, it's my network. I don't need an indictment to terminate. I want to terminate him, which is what you should do when you're confronted with abusive billing. But the legal department said no. Well, they says, well, there's, there's, you got termination with cause and without cause. And if it's with cause, then you have to go through all these hoops to, to go forward with that. And it stopped. It, it, no, nobody took it up. But this guy continued to bill bad, this, this podiatrist. And I'm looking at the data, and you see it. It's not even close. It's not even a close call. And you just know he's, he's, he's printing money. And um, you, you, you show, I would show the management, and they ignored it. And I'm like, what are you – you can't ignore it. That's your responsibility. You're, when you work in this building, you're supposed to manage the cost, and they didn't. It's not fair to ask you this, but do you think it's any different at Cigna or Aetna or United or the other, you know, the Humanas of the world? Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't think it is any different. I think, I think that once you're a, a, once you're a director and a vice president at these big companies, you're getting a big salary on, on the status quo. And you're not, looking, you're not looking to piss anybody off. You're looking to keep your head down and keep that check coming every two weeks. But they're you know, like chief, they're called chief preservationists, not chief executive officers. Right, and 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 one, I, I go on a rant about compliance. You know, they 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 give you this compliance training where they are supposed to teach you the right decision making when you're confronted with a situation. I'm like, this is a joke. I say you'd say this, but you're doing that, and nobody, you get shamed if you try and ask the tough questions, which is what I did. And then, you know, I was pretty much blackballed. Like nobody wanted to talk to me. Like, yeah, the stuff you were finding was obvious math, but there's also, uh, Marty McCary brings up in his book in chapter 11, there's a whole list of things like spinal fusions that don't have any efficacy and no proof they work, yet people are doing them like crazy and tons of other procedures that are basically unnecessary tests, unnecessary procedures. Um, you didn't even get into that on your in your job. You were just looking for people that were billing super high for their uh, zip code. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for the, for that diagnosis code in the, in, in the MSA. And, and, and I'll, I'll share with you another angle of this, please. There, when I was in a fraud division, which is the biggest joke there is, um, there was, there was one doctor who was, a, who was a bad biller and they sent him an email, a letter, we're auditing you. He, the doctor hits the roof because he thought what he was doing was legit. And so he demanded a benchmark. He wanted to see evidence that he was an outlier. So, so they come to me, I get the data, I make the benchmark, I give the report to the medical director, he sends it to this doctor. The next month, this doctor changed his billing patterns. So he, it came down, you saw on the data, you know, one month he's up and then all of a sudden he got the information and he changed. And that was very satisfying to me. 
That's I'm a like, good thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, wow, N- no lawyers, no investigators, no auditors, no Justice Department, no recoveries, just just harmony, just data harmony, just share the information and people will respond favorably. You know, you talk about benchmarks. I look at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, which has hundreds of published prices on, I don't know if it's the same 300 the government's requiring, but it's definitely that plus. And you can see what an arthroscopic knee is going to cost. It's 3,600 bucks. It's pretty plain, but the hospitals were screaming and moaning that the average consumer can't understand their data and read it. That's when baloney. You can, it's baloney. You can go on the Oklahoma Surgery Center, and now you can go on uh, Cost Labs and find the answers to those questions. Absolutely. And, you know, like, <laughs> I, I kind of laugh at myself. I kind of laugh when I look at these files because I see how they, 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 they present the data to obfuscate. And it's a, it's a few extra effort, a few extra clicks on my part to straighten it out. But they didn't deceive it. All I did was put more programming hours into my work, into my day. But they didn't stop, you know, consume, they're not going to stop consumerism. This is simple stuff, just like the Oklahoma City Center. What is your um, hope for the insurers when they have to do the transparency game in wow. January of next year? Do you expect to take a look at them? I, I must, that's my intention. But, you know, I used to work with making fee schedules, and and that's a nasty ask i mean you have thousands of mpis and every mpi has a fee schedule and there's sixteen thousand codes in the fee schedule i mean you're gonna have data from like earth to pluto because it's it's so much data um so i'm not sure i'm really curious how they're going to get this off the ground because that is a lot of data to um put out there it should be put out there yeah whether you like trump or don't like trump he certainly did a lot for transparency during his four years, didn't he? He absolutely did. And, you know, I, 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 I kind of like, I roll my eyes when people bash the ACA. Um, they, 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 when they, they blame the ACA for the cost, for the cost of healthcare. And that is hundred percent false. There are cost cost containment statutes in the ACA that were never stood up. So the problem is not the ACA, the problem is the middlemen who are blocking compliance rules so they can loot. You know, the, 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 the legal justification Trump used to stand up transparency comes from the ACA. Hey, Leon, has anybody in your inside in, that came from the inside written a book, a tell-all book about all the games that are played at these big insurers? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not aware of any, but uh, you would be a good candidate. <laughs> Maybe I would. Okay, my, I had somebody tell me the Blue Cross Mafia is going to come after me. So I think that if I did that, I, I'm certainly a, a blue uh, Cadillac would roll up with tinted windows to my front door. <laughs> well, I'm descri- I want to describe to you briefly a new economy that's building that's called the direct contracting or subscription model. There's um, 25 to 30 million Americans that are now buying their care without the help of an insurance company without a PBM, and they're buying their meds directly to the, uh, through the doctors, through the surgeons, through the imaging in the labs. And they no longer have to involve these giant bigs that are profiteering in the middle, uh, off the juicy middle. So I agree with that. Yeah. That, I, I, I really like this model because it's clean. Um, everybody's winning the doctor, the patient, the employer, um, you know, but, you don't really need ICD 10 codes. No, if, not if you at don't, all. 
if you just want to give good care and yes. you, know, you just want to take good care of people, you don't really need this regime. I call it a, a fur coat in July. Do we really need to wear that hot coat? It's no. pretty hot out there. And I'll, I'll take your, your, your comment there a step further in that you don't need contracts in, with, in a price transparency world. You don't need a contract to buy services from a vendor. Wait a minute. You don't need a contract to go buy an apple pie at the grocery store? No, I don't. Really, I don't. Are you sure? I'm positive. You so, don't need a contract to go buy a car? No, no. Wow, that's interesting. So, so if I have, if I have a, a clinician's rates for treatment, why do I need a claim? Why do I need a contract? Can I just go in, lay down my credit card or take a loan out from the bank at you know 5% interest if it's an expensive treatment surgery? And pay that back because it's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than paying, you know, twenty six thousand a year in premiums before you buy one dime of care. You know, the Americans' number one fear of hospitals is the surprise bill. You don't have surprise bills either when you pay for care that way. No, no. I mean, I, and I saw it in the claims data. It's like you would in, in a fraud division. You would we would take money back. Say, call it July, June thirtieth. We just, let's say we, we took this money back June 30th, and then you look at the claims data in September, and you see July 1st, more units were billed over there. You know, they, they, they just cost shifted. So, so cost can, you know, managed care and audits, it doesn't lower costs. It just causes doctors to bill more units somewhere else. They're not making less money. The only way they're going to make less money is with provider competition. You have to take market share away from them. And the only way they're going to get market share back is by lowering their prices. That's well, something interesting is happening in Australia right now that's not making the news here for some reason. But the insurance giants there that are private are all going down what's called a death spiral. So we've seen eagles that try to make love and they you know separate just where they hit the ground. Or you, when you'll see in the Olympics where a man spins a woman right near the ice. Oh my gosh, yeah. like That's called a death spiral. But there's a death spiral also when healthy insurers that are young leave the insurance pool and then the prices go up naturally. And then the next bunch leaves and then the next bunch until all right. that's left are the old and sick, which completely goes against the idea of insurance pooling. Right. I mean, it's right. You now you've got nothing but high risk left. And so the insurance companies are, when they say a death file, they literally die. They have to have nothing but that in their pool. Right. And, and, but you know, it comes back to like, why, and, and here's another you know, angle of my philosophy here is that the United States does not need 500 different claim processors when hospitals and doctors can set their own rate. Okay. We only need one claim processor. Now I'm not, you know, you call it a public option light. I think I heard somebody say it's a public option light where you're just a claim processor. You're not fixing rates and you're going to let the, a free market you know, let doctors set their own rates. We're just going to process the claims, you know, charge the administration costs. And I agree with that. You know, I'm not a government guy, but when there's price transparency, you do not need 500 different claim processors. You need one. Well, another way to say that is in the clinic itself. So well, this is a primary care show. When you go to a clinic and you see all these people that are wearing scrubs, you've got the intake and outtake. Those are both claims processors. You've got the uh, copay. Yeah. Reverse collecting the copay. You've got the person that's billing and collecting. You've got someone that's doing pre-authorizations pretty much nonstop. Right. You've got someone who's doing referral coordination and all of those 
are money transaction people, yet they went to medical assistant school to learn how to do phlebotomy and how to learn medical terms that they'll never use. So eight out of nine people that work in a primary care clinic don't actually do care. They're doing money transaction. Right. And I just feel that, you know, all that's all that is wasted. It, it is unneeded. 100%. If I know the price for treatment is this, you know, I don't even know if you need a claim. You know, all you need is, all you need is like, I, I'm, a, I'm a, becoming more of a believer in the health sharing ministries where you just, you bring them in for a catastrophic care. God forbid you, you should need something very expensive. But under like 30000 a year or 20000 a year, you do not need a third party paying a claim. Well, the that, math, that's, I've that's done the premium. math under 65 for employed Americans, less than one and a half percent are going to have a cancer scare, a heart scare, a cardio uh, scare, or a car accident or any kind of accident that's going to require, you know, a major medical outlay. So right. 98% of 98.5% of us are going to be okay year to year. And we'll, but so yes, that's what those health ministries do is they take over where the direct primary care leaves off. So and I think it's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. But the current health insurance industry, you're just you're just funding the the beast. You're funding the CEO salaries, vice president salaries who don't do jack squat. Well, here's what employers are doing today that are enlightened. And there are, as I said, 25 million patients that there's no association. There's no name for this. There's no academic studies. There's no book written about this. But 25 million Americans through their employer are getting direct primary care direct specialist care, direct imaging and direct labs contracted with them, all with their cash pay rates. They're doing the same thing with meds, buying through the local pharmacy or the local grocery. And as a result, costs are going down 60, 50%. And now employers have a true retention tool, a true attraction tool, a tool, a true engagement tool that they never had before because people don't want to give up free healthcare. And I have been doing this with my small company now for four years. So I can't, like, I couldn't chase my employees away if I had to, because they get, <laughs> they got everything free. It's great. I, I believe it. The, the current, the current insurance industry and is, is done. I mean, you just look at the price variations. You look at like a knee surgery. I think it was, I forget which hospital was in Massachusetts, you know, Aetna, or was it, it was, Aunt, it was Aetna. They had three different reimbursement rates for commercial now. So depending if you were in this pool, you paid 30000 But if you were in this other pool, you paid 80000 And if you were in the last pool, you were paying like $100,000 for a knee surgery. Is that an algorithm or is that some guy sitting behind a desk with thick glasses? I don't know how they chunk up membership into pools on reimbursement rates. This, this, is, this is criminal because the, these carriers have one contract with the hospital to reimburse them at, a, at a, whatever code it was at this rate. If you're taking that for next to the next step and you're putting people into a higher bucket because you can charge more more money just because you, you can get away with it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put handcuffs on you. That's how I feel about that. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, Leon, you defy the definition of an actuary who is basically their own prophylactic by their personality. Uh, so you, you are, you know, interesting, you have a lot of charisma and you've got a passion for this. And I want to thank you for this, uh, sharing on this show, uh, health costs labs is the way you find you, but how, how do people find you individually? I found you on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best way to, to, um, reach me. 
Um, so if you, if you want to send me a private note, you know, I, I can respond to you quickly if, if it's a quick question. Um, but that I, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have time for anything other than, you know, LinkedIn. If I'm on social media, it's on LinkedIn. I don't have time for anything else. Okay. And if you could fly a banner over America with one simple message, what would that message be? Economic freedom. Yeah. I would just fly that word around economic freedom. Yeah. And then make, keep, make people ask, what do you mean by that? And when they've, they were to read my post on LinkedIn, they could understand this is how you can achieve economic freedom. Healthcostlabs.com. All right. Well, Leon, thanks again for your time. And I will follow up with you in a year to see how people are using this site. I hope a lot. Yeah, me too. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> I put all this time in for nothing. Yeah. Thanks again, man. <laughs> all right. Bye. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.